to the pot. You're here with Reggie and Xavier, your host, and this is Sometimes You're the Frog. Welcome back to the pot. Today we're joined with Jonathan Harrier Soto. And yeah, I don't necessarily have a place to start, but maybe we'll let John then uh, introduce himself to you guys. There's so many things to, to say, so many things to say. Uh, yeah. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me on y'all's show, y'all's podcast. Um, it's a pleasure. Um, yeah, my name is Jonathan Herrera Soto. I use he, him, his pronouns. And, you know, I like, I'm currently in the, my first year as a graduate student at Yale and I'm wrapping up my semester. So she's kind of like, she's really crazy right now. Um, I'm an artist originally born in Chicago, but went to undergrad in Minneapolis, Minnesota at MCAT. So I have a lot of love for the Midwest. Like I, I grew up in Chicago and I have a lot, a lot of love for Chicago because my family is from there and I grew up there, but my formative years were in Minnesota. So I, I also consider myself from there in a way. Um, joint custody. Joint custody. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah, I'm a, a joint custody kid from the Midwest. And, and uh, yeah, spend some time traveling right after undergrad. I graduated in 2017. Um, and my concentration was in printmaking. So did a lot of residencies focusing on that. That's how Reggie and I met. We met at Acre Residency in 2018, 19? 18. Um, 18, and uh, yeah, we've kept in touch and just, you know, I bounced around for a while and then um, lived in Providence with my partner during the pandemic and then applied to grad school and here I am. Yeah, so that's kind of like sums up where I've been and who I am. Um, Printmaker, translator, um, making all sorts of weird things currently at the moment. Well, before we answer the question you asked us before we started recording, can you yeah. answer it for our listeners? How have you been spending your time? How has life been like to the day to day? Yeah, you said without getting too specific, unless you want to go there, um, you said things are crazy right now. Is that just on the academic level or, you know, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything, I think. So, you know, okay, so I'm like wrapping up my first year as a graduate student. So it's a little bit like, you know, when you're, I've never ran a marathon, but I would assume, you know, you're like halfway through something. And it's a little bit like a metaphorical reckoning, like, it's at the middle point where I'm like, oh shit, I, I, I had a lot of expectations coming into grad school of like what I wanted to do or, or even lack of expectations and realizing like I'm at the halfway point and like, like, what, like what have I done with my time and what do I wanna do with the rest of the second half of it? So there's like that metaphorical reckoning, but there's also like um, a material reckoning where like I get to look at all the stuff that I've made and I'm, 
you know, it's like, a, it's good things like, oh, sh I'm like really happy with like the work that I've made thus far. But I guess it's around this time when insecurities flare up, like I haven't done enough or I haven't, I haven't really taken my practice apart in the way that I wanted it to. So that a lot of stuff floats up, I think at the halfway point. And we're about to finish the semester. We have the summer and then next, this upcoming semester, a whole new group of students will be here as first years. And it's kind of like that bittersweet of like excitement. I mean, the excitement of getting to know a whole new cohort of students, but also like we're the second years now and we're kind of like on our way out. So there's just like a lot of things that I'm like taking, taking count of. Um, and I think maybe this is a question I have for y'all too, is like in my practice, I kind of run hot, cold, hot, cold. I like, like my thesis reviews on Tuesday. So I've just been like sleeping in my studio. I have like my camping mat here and I like, I like work for a while and then I get sleepy and I like take a nap and then I work. So I, I kind of get into this mode, especially the last few days before something's due or a big thing is like about to happen. And I like really sink my teeth into it, but it kind of um, just has me in the studio a lot. And then afterwards, I can imagine after my thesis review is over, I'll probably just like vacate the studio for like a week and not come back. So I, I run very hot cold like that. Um, I think I work good under, under pressure, but sometimes it's like a little bit too much, you know, almost like, almost like haunt myself. Like that's the way I kind of describe it sometimes. Yeah, I was um, gonna ask what your emotional state was like, is like when you're in that. I definitely experienced that, but I feel like sometimes it's, am I torturing myself or am I right, being productive right. type of thing? Um, I imagine you're on the productive side of things. You're pretty open to talking about it with us. But yeah, I don't, you know, can you talk more about that? I like what you said. I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes it feels like I'm torturing myself and other times you're in the groove of it and then you forget like the hours that go like that go by. It's a little bit of both, but um yeah, it definitely feels like a, a haunting and I you know, it's moments like this where I wish I had a healthier relationship to my practice, but um I would like to be the person that does a little bit every day versus just cranking everything out like in three or four days. But it's kind of like the situation that I find myself in sometimes. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, and emotionally, you know, like I get kind of like moody, emotional, like also hot cold like sometimes I walk into the studio and I'm like jazz excited about the things that I'm doing and other days I walk in and everything looks unfamiliar and everything looks like crap or shit and it's like you have to sit with it a little bit you know you know like like I could be doing something and it feels really great and then I go home and then I come back the next day and it, it's completely transformed into something unrecognizable and that happens a lot like um so maybe just trusting that uh, 
any direction is a good one. Like sometimes that feeling of insecurity can keep me in a place of stasis. Like uh, by that, I mean, like, let's say something doesn't quite feel resolved. I'll just look at it for like weeks or months and then it won't get done. Nothing will happen. So just stay like that. And versus being indecisive, I'd rather just like push it, even if it's like failing or even if something is like not working quite right, pushing it anyway, because it's movement, it's a direction. And I can get in the bad habit of like being frustrated with something and leaving it sit. And then it just doesn't, doesn't move and like get stuck. I just want to say, I don't necessarily know if that's a bad habit. I yeah, think I was that say, like- I was just to slide this in before you yeah. do you feel like chipping away benefits the work or benefits your mental your health? psyche you know because maybe your state of work right now is the healthy state of work but you also send so much stuff out. i mean to cut you reggie you- i mean it's the thing that me and xavier talk about this all the time about how like the relationship to your cognitive studio for lack of a better word is oftentimes <laughs> like way more navigational for your body than your Mm -hmm. intentions or emotions because sometimes like we have you know like we have beliefs of what productivity looks like I think that like to a certain extent looking having the privilege to just look is the goal you know to be able to just be consistent and present enough in the practice and taking care for financially or spiritually Mm -hmm. to the point where you can just walk in and observe your items and just wait for them to tell you what they need but I think that like that coupled with you being in a graduate program is probably like head turning because there are some things that need that level of like patience and mindfulness but also like you got to get your shit done and you got to see the experiment through not even necessarily the piece but you got to see what the idea looks like outside of your head like just point blank period like it kind of get released but I think those are the things that make up a healthy relationship to the practice I think that like having the awareness to know what the objects need and and then also you know having the audacity sometimes to like do some shit for yourself and then realize it doesn't work that's not what the object needed but then sometimes like you do some shit for yourself and it leads you to another question, you know? Right. So, I don't know. I think school is yeah. like a really like, um, a really jarring place. I think that in the past, when you read about how universities used to work, they've always been places of like overbearing work and like <laughs> uh, rigor for lack of a better word, but like, because they were so isolated and insular, it kind of <laughs> made it, you know, the delusion was easier to, to upkeep. But now, you know, you're entering the art market while being in school and being aware of your active trajectory while you're in school. Like that's like a lot. Like schools be asking for Instagram handles and shit now when you apply. So like, I just think that, I don't know, as long as you're taking care of your body physically, like you're getting rest, you're putting food in it, you're making sure you're going on a daily walk, you know, like little shit like that. And then you're taking care of it like, spiritually like whatever that means for you like I think that the practice will always be in a good place because in best case scenario the practice is just life right no yeah 100 percent. I agree with a lot with I, I agree with most if not everything that y'all are 
are are bringing up. Um, yeah, I think another thing I would add to all of that is that I I mean I think Reggie, like you and I have talked about this sometimes, but I do really really believe that like maybe not for everyone, but my practice and like many of us perhaps that uh, use art to connect or translate or tell stories um, that the art studio space, and it doesn't have to be a physical space. It could be like, a, like I like the word, like a cognitive studio or like, it could be any, like studio as a framework rather than a place. Mm-hmm. That that space is like quite sacred. And like um, that involve, and that's that space involves ceremony, and that ceremony takes place over time. So it's like you spend eight hours in the studio, six hours in the studio, and you're working. I like to think about that as like practicing or enacting a kind of ceremony of sorts. Um, like right now, I'm spending a lot of time. I don't know if you can see, but kind of carving away at this wall with a drill. Um, And it's just like time spent. And it's like thinking about that gesture as like connecting to, it could be like, it could be all sorts of things, connecting to spirit, connecting to like memory or like one's own lineage or, um that the studio space can because it is sacred and that labor is involved and thinking back about uh or at least like cultures that i believe i came from like use spaces of like ceremony to like channel certain energy or certain stories um that that the space can get quite heavy if that like like that like gestures can sometimes be really, really potent and and heavy and like take you out for no unnameable reason. Like you do something in the studio that per- per completely profoundly moves you to the point of exhaustion or to the point of like, um, like uh, I don't know, you know, like, pe- like people in their studios are dealing with really like sacred shit and it's like-, like awe. What's that? Like awe, A-W-E. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, or like, exactly. Like, there's just like, and I don't know, I try not to put language like spirit, or like, it could be as specific as like being in relationship with spirit or ancestors, but, you know, sometimes it's unnameable and it's just like, yeah, that's a good, like, oh, and you're just moving through that space. And, you know, like, some cultures have specific people that deal with that energy, like, like, uh um like someone specifically tasked to hold and build a container for that and and i don't know like it's it's just hard sometimes being in a space like that can feel heavy at times i think um and it goes against this feeling goes against the like logic logic making world of like capitalism where everything needs to have like a reason for it or like a diagnosis like I feel ill because I have a because I have a fever or like I feel exhausted because I haven't like slept in a certain amount. like you need to have answers for certain things in order to feel resolved 
and in the studio, sometimes all that stuff gets jumbled up and, um, yeah, like it's hard to feel why making something feels particularly difficult or particularly joyful. Um, I don't know, interesting intuition in that way, I guess. Like it feels a certain way. And like going back to Reggie's point, like following the intuition, like following the intuition in places that feel good or places that like are generative um, because we don't always know where we're going. Um, I think my goal is ultimately to like generate more questions or like something, something that gives us more questions and it gives us like more opportunity to be more curious, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, that exact conundrum is what me and Xavier are like in a lot of ways in our personal, like um, writing discourse back have been really trying to like, I don't know, vocalize and hopefully give agency through vocabulary because like, like we be making fucking relics and like we always have been since like, right since the but like now they're so like now we're not segregated and isolated to specific pockets on specific like areas on the planet like everybody's interwoven and there's so much shit in the air and like I don't know things are super emotive like definitely when you're by yourself like you can just Mm -hmm. take in so much but I think what's really scary about what we do is like you know we give other people outlets to project onto but like all of those embers that like leave off those projections in the studio definitely like end up going place like for me like I haven't been to the studio in like a week and a half but it's more like I know what I have to work on is like super labor intensive and I can't work on it until my house is clean it's like little shit like that where it's like I don't know but it's also just interesting because I I wonder Jonathan is this like something that comes out of both of us having practices that are like deeply personal as much as they're ambiguous like and if us like I don't know like we've talked about before like like letting the work be love letters for different things like letting the work be the poetics like letting the work be what it needs to be like in context and I just wonder is it like is it different for graphic designers? Like, is I I be think I don't know. Uh, no, it's like, and I, don't, I have no idea. But like, right. I asked Xavier this question. I think like two weeks ago. I was like, Do you think graphic designers have like, like, and not like independent graphic designers that are applying like, I'm like, you work off like a, a formula. Like, I always think about that, like, especially with musicians. Like, there's mm-hmm. certain types of musicians that are comfortable like being a part of the arrangement and just like doing their like gig. Like, I just, I wonder what that would look like in the arts. Like just having like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it, I mean, as far as visual artists, I feel like, I mean, we just, it just looks a different way. You Mm. just don't see it like, some people get really good at the craft, so it we are so enamored by like, I guess the skill of it. We don't really, we're not even. We can't tell if it's creative or not because it's just so 
you know, intense in that way. Like, like think about those, like, uh, is Mother's Day my mother's calling me? I'm going to have to tell her. Call <laughs> you better pick up the phone. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to your mom. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers. Shout out to the moms. I spoke to her like three times already today. Should we? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, sorry, what was I talking about? You're talking about how it looks different for your artist. Oh, like yeah. think about those hyper realistic, like I'm, I ain't going to go to any specific artists, but think of like those hyper realistic. Let's go to YouTube. There's like tutorials on how to draw a hyper-realistic face, the portrait, and it's like, you know, that very popular model or whatever, the, you know what I'm saying? It's like more about, and I mean, we could talk about those people that are cognitive of the fact that, you know, we're focusing on the, the process and like, the process of seeing and translating that with a certain level of accuracy. But then there's people who's just trying to reproduce, you know, uh, the appeal, if that makes sense. They're trying to reproduce this appeal over and over. You know what I mean? I mean, if you can go yeah. on Instagram, some people that are making work for Instagram and that's their thesis, whether they've done all that written work and all that stuff. I think that that something that two things. I think like we're not we're not I think vulnerable enough as a society and definitely not in that way like that's the macro structure and definitely not vulnerable enough as artists I think when it comes to like like admitting how much how much we make decisions rooted in like out of fear like we don't talk about fear a lot because something i've heard from like friends and friends of friends that you know like the market is a real thing in the art world or the visual art world and that one could get sucked into a situation where it could even happen unconsciously where like you're making something and then all of a sudden, the thing that you're making gets you a lot of affirmation and a lot of appeal. Like you're making, it doesn't even have to be figurative painting. It could be anything. Like you, you start to get affirmed by making this one thing. And, and then you make the thing that gets you affirmation and it continues to feed you in that way. But next thing you know, perhaps that's the only thing that people expect of you. And I know I've been told stories where people feel stuck in their practice because that's the only thing that sells. So that's the only thing that guarantees them. All of a sudden, what one's making is codependent with making the rent or making like supporting mm -hmm. family even, you know, like, so. It's crazy because look, sometimes right. it's crazy because the person actually, they make a lot of that thing that everybody kind of caught and it's now latched on to, they're actually, hey, that's my whole practice. I'm, hey, everybody's now, you know, it's kind of cool that, you know, it was it was a yeah. thing. But when it became a thing, maybe you was participating in a trend and your take on the trend was cool. And now it's like, 
I mean, you was there for the wrong reason, so maybe you don't even have the framework to, you know what I mean, build off of this thing you made. So now it's... Xavier, I have something to add, but I'm going to wait until after... Oh, yeah, we also we come do back have to back. loop because the time. So we'll come back for the next round in a second. Sorry about that. Well, wait, uh, quickly. Uh, yeah, like, I think I want to talk a little bit about fear in that, like, it's scary to give up something that's giving you nourishment, right? You finished what you were saying, Xavier? Oh, yeah, I was just saying, like, that essentially. Okay. IG tip. And, I mean, also, we could also look at, like, people who maybe they really, I mean, I think there's two sides of it. You know, there's people that go into making stuff like chairs in the sense of, like, hey, you know, I just yeah. did a job. Right. There's people who are, like, I'm designing chairs. And maybe sometimes I'm actually there making the fucking chair. So, but I just wanted to add that because I was also, I didn't want to just leave it as just a point on the IG stuff because I think it's a been going on type of thing. But, but I want to talk about that. I think like that, because this is something like that I struggle with as somebody that has been in a lot of arts admin. As somebody that's been in a lot. Our world must be fucking brutal, yeah? It's, well, it's interesting because, like, I don't have to deal with the same necessary pitfalls as people that are pursuing that because my vantage point as, like, being a maker and being, like, having my practice respected in that way gives me, like, a different foot in the door. And it's mm -hmm. also, like, there's a lot to be said about, like, um, arts advocacy in general, but I think that like even a lot of makers don't really understand the importance of like arts admin to producing like larger sustainable cultural structures for us to do what we do. Because even the type of burnout that we're discussing right now as far as like market fear of people being tunnel vision and just making shit that gets coupled with their survival or gets coupled with their affirmation or just coupled with their self-worth if we just take it Way back is that if there was you know curators that were aggressively having artists make new work and had the funding to force artists to produce inquiries that could be woven into the larger curatorial structure I think the terrain would be different I think now like in a lot of ways there's a lot of people that are making up to a point to get invited in a club the club being whatever gallery they're represented by and then the work just travels they have solos and they have like larger exhibitions that like come around now and then. But for the most part, this is something I've been saying to Xavier recently, like you see the same people at, at shows. It doesn't matter what cities you go to, the same people, like the same degrees of separation. Like, you know, I know we all live in the art world, but it's surprising, um, at least for me. Like I come from a place where there's free museums. I'm used to seeing like all types of people flooding the shows. But I don't know, it's like insular in that way where like we incentivize artists to keep making, but we barely have places for them to show that don't involve them selling or like, because I don't know, like work stipends are tight. Like you don't always got to sell shit. I think seeing that format recently has been really exciting for me, just seeing places that are like, here's a 3K stipend, um, pull up, make a piece. We'll collect it, maybe. I don't know. But 
I wonder, is that just because like, I'm the type of person that appreciates that level of intent? I know that there's people out there who are like, I just made something, I want people to see it. I want people to see what I made, which is mm -hmm. like valid. And like, I understand that, you know, I understand that, but I just mm. don't necessarily know if that's sustainable in the long run, because hopefully like we should live in a world where everybody has access to creativity, like everybody can have art practices. But I think like pursuing it in the professional sphere or pursuing it in any sphere that involves like other people working together, other people being paid off other people's labor, like other people trying to build history in whatever context that means or whatever i just think there's a certain level of in, of intention that's like hit or miss um and sometimes people get swept up in that because they catch us when we're young you know like 27 26 25 like those are technically like really baby ages compared to like the 50 and 70 year olds that are in their studios right now but mm -hmm. you know we live in the age of the internet people they be trying to grab the black and pocs for yeah. I mean, advertisement yeah like I, uh, I have a lot to like respond to like what you said but uh, I think a lot about the um, quote from the Zapatistas in Mexico who like who like say that they want to live in a world where where many worlds can exist. So it's mm -hmm. like the art world, I don't wish for the art world to be like a singular thing for it to be like, like, right, like the, the art world is multiple worlds and it's both on one end, like the thing that you're talking about where it's people valuing and respecting each other's work in this way and paying one for their labor and like, and a kind of there's like a kind of reciprocity that exists, but it, on the other end, there's an, also a world within the art world that is like just simply tax evasion. <laughs> like, so it's like plain and simple. It's like both, <laughs> of these things, both of these things exist, and I think part of me thinks that it shouldn't. It like can't be like a singular thing. Like it's 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 everything. Like and. Um, about like there I think there's just like we like there needs to be an effort where you and your community or you and your kin can feel like acknowledged and respected um in the whirlwind and the like tide pools of like this whole fucking like, like ecosystem because yeah like you said they'll pull you in and it feels good to get affirmed you know like it feels good when people want to collect your work or represent you or especially here at Yale like I wouldn't say like a lot of collectors like you know like it's not really like the like the urban legends where people like are not that I've seen but being in a program like this does make you feel like there's eyes on you and it's weird the feeling is weird because like collectors do reach out to us and gallerists do reach out to us and and it's like it feels weird for somebody to come to you in the time of like most vulnerability. You're like failing. You're like trying new things and trying to risk things. And then there's people offering you like representation and, and to buy your work and like, 
you know, like that's a little bit like that's a little bit fucked up for like to do that to a student, you know, like like you're supposed to be risk taking. You're supposed to be like really like looking at your practice and and trying out new things and not worrying about appealing to somebody else. And um, if there's any place that feels a little bit like 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 that, it, it's it's a, it's a program like this because it's like it's weird. There's almost like no privacy. Like, every, like people, people are really curious about what you're doing. And it's kind of like hard to like, just really be vulnerable in your practice. And um, I don't know, I kind of lost, I kind of got lost there, but I think that there, no, I mean, and I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 go ahead. But that's definitely something like, even yes, I mean, last week we were talking to Tony kind of about that just, the act of sharing and like just the trauma and all of that, especially right now and how the, like all creative markets are right now. It's very like, oh yeah, we need, we need that. We need that when it's good. And it's like right. lucky when it's not. And then it's also like, if you're not, if you're done making it, we'll just copy and let someone else, you know what I mean, run up the check. So it's definitely in general already a minefield that you choose to kind of wade through as far mm -hmm. as your personal emotions and shit go. Yeah. I'm curious though, Jonathan, what's, is it like, cause I, you were just on the road for what, three years, like, going from residency to residency, kind of spending a lot of time in isolation and in movement. Like, what's it like to be not only like observed, but kind of like stuck to a certain yeah, extent? I do like, feel, I feel stuck, yeah. Um, I learned a lot in those three years. Like I would travel from place to place and like with less and less stuff. So I became very resourceful and like, I make art with what I have. I don't really buy art materials. I like, you know, everything's like, but you can everything's with, 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 what, with what I have. Like even in this studio, um, what was I gonna say? There were sheets of um, homo board that covered the studio walls. And that's what the art is being made out of now. Like the, they're just four by eight sheets of material that I could use that I could unanchor from the wall and use in my practice. And it, it being on the road helped me think about things like that. Like there's plenty of material. And then that material molds the conceptual investments I have in making, like what is it about making do or resourcefulness or like listening to place? Like what, what is important about that gesture that, that I can investigate conceptually? So it like, you know how people have, I, you know, people, it's like both, like, there's ideas that come first. Like I'm, I'm interested in biopolitics. So, and then the work manifests from the idea and then vice versa, like the materiality of something. Like I have a shitload of this material and working within a particular way generates the concept afterwards. So like, it's like, I, I, my conceptual investments and priorities like come from this like listening to the materials that I, that I have at hand and the place that I'm in, like 
Like, so is it like a, is it a thing where it's like an interesting material comes in your path and then it's like, this is the material that I'm now going to use because it's, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, this is how I'm choosing to make, like, as I move forward, I'm going to grab things. Or is it like, I'm looking around and selecting things as I, I know it's kind of similar, but. Yeah, I think it feels a little bit like being open to be, being open to being changed yourself. Like, like, I feel like my investments in, in making art are susceptible to being changed, like by materials, if that makes sense. Like, like I'm not making the same work I was making two or three years ago conceptually, like they're very different because I've, I listen to the materials that are, are around me, like, so it's a little bit like being willing to be changed and to change the work that I make, um, which is kind of weird because, um, you know, oh, not weird, but it, it just is more, it, I think it's more authentic. Like I'm, I'm not a monolith. I don't make, like a lot of my work deals with like certain strong threads, like migration, movement, borderlands, but like they're really macro and that, And that these investments aren't necessarily permanent because we're not permanent, you know? Like we change and our investments change. Like tomorrow something crazy might happen. Like I might get in a really bad car accident or something and that will completely ultimately shift the way that I make. And I think just being authentic to that reality that we are changing moving beings, I think is something I try to keep, keep like, keep hold of like um For sure. you know it's like normal like y'all probably like your artist statement like all of a sudden you read it and it's like whoa like i completely don't make this kind of art anymore like like what happened you know and i try to just like yeah keep keep with it and like you know like shift as i as i change and as a place changes me like there's some people in this program who treat new haven like it's a no place like it's like I'm just here for school. Like, I'm just here for like, and not specifically, you know, it's not specifically to Yale, but any, any place. Like people go to school for two years and it's almost like a no place. Like, no, me and Xavier talk about this shit all the time. People be in places and just not even acknowledging that they're in a new biome. Like, that's just, like this is that right. alone is like, that's gentrification. That's like, they'll, they'll treat it right. like a, like a receipt. Like, yeah, I've been there, but you know. You know, I'm washing my hands, but I'm not there anymore. That was for that specific, even though I'm a person and I was involved with a bunch of other people. Also, even the, the fucking microbacteria changes you. <laughs> like, like on some real shit, like you could spend time in a place and really like breathe in the air and you're altered. Like, and not even conceptually. Like, I think. For people, real, you're, you're, you're altered. You're changed. Like, you're done. Like, you might go home with a pimple. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Like. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the type of oxygen that you breathe. And <laughs> even outside of that, like me and Xavier were talking about this um, a couple of weeks ago because we were thinking about how it's interesting how some people treat dozens in a space, you know, like dozens. Dozen. 
in galleries are like the selected person to engage with, you know, they're the person saying hello to you in a space and just even the respect of like a hello to the person that's maintaining the space that's for leisure. Like that's not a doctor's office. Like you're going into a space to leisurely view some shit and somebody is there to like assist that. Like people don't even be talking to their fucking mailman. And I also, but I understand that like the world is immensely violent and having faith is extremely hard for some people because situation or nature, but like, I, I don't know that shit is like, especially for makers. Like it's really sad to watch. Like I've seen printmakers, like, you know, I get it. Like if you do litho, you're going to be sad if you don't have access to a lithograph or like a stone or a place to do all of that jazz. But also like, you could fucking draw. Like we were talking about this yesterday. Like there's certain people and I don't even mean this to be like abrasive in a certain way, but my relationship to Macon is the inquisitiveness of Macon itself. Like finding things to tinker about. Like we said on the couch, like people that would do it with a stick is a very different mindset than like folks that think you have to like purchase the right stick and the right stick has to be maintained and it needs to like look a certain way for you to even hold it. And I get it, but I am also suspicious that that might be cultural brainwashing. Like mm-hmm. just a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want the artist to work for free. So, I mean, I'm not suspicious. I think that <laughs> is the case. Like yeah. they well, can get us to work for free. I mean, think about it. You even just talking about you used the word failing in the when you were just describing like the experience right now of being vulnerable. Like I don't you're not failing, you're still doing this shit every day. You know, even in that sphere of like they're have this kind of weird access to you where it's like, I don't even really want to talk to you, but I guess I kind of should and kind of have to, like, because mm-hmm. I'm invested in all of this shit. Right, but you still gonna keep making after they're here and gone and you're still gonna keep getting, you know what I mean? As long as you live in that, like, and not get caught up on the, mm-hmm. the affirmation tip or any any tip other than what you hear, like, again, mm-hmm. as long as you're doing it, it don't really matter, like, at least that's how I feel, because yeah, I mean, people doing it with just a stick. I have a, I have two specific questions. I'm asking them one by one though, so I don't over them. I, I'm curious how the work, like, um, in between, underneath at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, and your relationship to material there, like, and using it as like not only a conceptual access point, but like a formal point to like make sense of what you're trying to get at. But then these palettes that have kind of been popping up in the practice recently, which I know are all like source picked up and kind of improvisational to a certain extent. Like I know that when it comes to you building out your installations, you'll, you might cut a bunch of intric- intricate, um, what are those called? When you, stencils, yeah, like that, same type of consideration isn't necessarily what we're getting out of like your woodworking like sculptures or like 
stuff right. like there might be moments of like affliction like I, I know that you like incorporate heat um to for lettering or you'll do like wood carving but like what's the difference in your relationship not only to the materials that you're sourcing there but like what you want the viewer to I guess have access to out of those materials or like their projections onto those materials yeah it's a good question I mean I think I want like people to like to get the sense that I'm a human being and that I I have relationships to place like I do to people, like with people. Like the reasons why I started to gravitate towards the palettes, especially during the pandemic, was like I would go on like, you know, like long walks, like we all did, like hour, two hour long walks and got to know, I was living in Providence at the time and got to know the city just by going on these really, really long walks. And I noticed that palettes, you know, like palettes are everywhere, but like really, they're everywhere and they're abandoned and they're like thrown. They're kind of like a nuisance. Like, like people who work with palettes or have a bunch of them, you can't really like throw them away because they're like really heavy. You have to like cut them or take them apart to put them in the trash. So they're like really like, like they're annoying to deal with when you have a lot of them. So I would see stacks of them abandoned in like, uh, like abandoned parking lots or I would see some like in, in, like I would go on walks by like rivers, but like rivers would like trash would accumulate. Like people would just dump stuff. And like the same thing with shopping carts, like shopping carts and pallets would like, they would be in the most random places, like on the side of highways. Um, and it just felt like I was gravitating towards the material because like in a way we're all abandoned or like, you know, like in the way that I felt like the palette was forgotten and thrown away like I felt that way or like I've seen my family members feel that way and I noticed that the pallets were like depending on how how long they were out were also really weathered and worn and like used misused um pallets are made as cheaply as possible and like made to withstand the most amount of like utility like and they're thrown away once you no longer like need them. So it, it's like, I think over time I would see the palette and see like my community, like my family members. Like I look at it, I look like an abandoned palette and I see like my parents, like it's weird. Like, um, and there are also objects used in, that are in perpetual transit. And I think a lot about migration and like movement a lot. Um, so like, that's an example of like, what I mean by like, sometimes just like, the material creeps in and then molds like the, the concept of the work itself. And with like in between underneath, a lot of that, I had benches in the studio made out of like reclaimed wood, like found and like, I worked a lot with my landlord and he would give me a bunch of like wood from like restoration projects. So a lot of the wood in that show came from like that, from like, wood that was being thrown away. Um, the stencils on the floor were printed in mud. So like thinking about the materiality of like the ephemeral or the temporal, like mud, dirt, soil. I'm making these paintings right now with like 
motor oil. So like the oil that you like when you change your oil in the car, like that, like grimy used oil is what I'm using to like make these paintings. And it's like, yeah, the most disposable, the most like, like misused, like materials is what I tend to gravitate towards. Um, but all right, sorry, I'm getting distracted. So like for the in-between underneath, the mud was something that like I wanted to, to include in the show because I was interested, like my installations tend to be very site-specific. So like the fact that the museum itself is on top of land and what does that mean? Like that the soil is always underneath the institution and like bringing it up to surface almost. Like, like I wanted the feeling of that installation to, to have like the dirt underneath the, ins the, the institution come up into the gallery. And um, like that what this is crazy by the way. Yeah, what? We saw, we saw the video. I said, that piece is crazy, by the way. We saw, I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Would you talk a little bit about it for people that yeah. aren't familiar with it? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I did the in-between underneath installation at the Minneapolis Institute of Art in 2019. I came together in 2019. And I hand-cut 200 portraits of missing and murdered Mexican journalists and printed it on the floor. Uh, with a mud mixture, like mud, water, clay, sawdust. Um, and in the begin, in the front room, it's two rooms. In the front room, I had a collection, I think, of 64 drawings on newsprint. And yeah, and people could walk on the faces. So like the, the, the stencils were printed on the floor with like individually, like with mud, and then people could walk on them. And it was a huge gallery. It was like, really long and narrow too. So you could walk all the way to the end and come back. And, you know, like everything is gesture. And I wanted quite literally like for the memory of a person or of a missing person to leave with somebody. And we were just talking about them, you know, like the molecules of a new place, like, like, like every viewer left with little pieces of these people on the soles of their feet, like as they left the gallery, like if you like, and that's what I wanted. It was like, the material, the materiality of disappearance. Like, what does it mean to like put a material or have a material convey a concept? Um, what does it mean to step on something? What does it mean to avoid? Some people would avoid the faces and not step on them. And like, I would say like something I learned from that exhibition is how to be economical as possible in an artwork. Like how to make the least amount of moves to say the most, you know? Like, I think the whole show was only like three pieces. Like it wasn't like the, this, this, I don't know what the word is, serality, the number, like one piece, the faces were one piece. There's 200 of them, but it's technically one piece. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like have both the positive space and the negative space of something both work together, you know, like versus um, yeah, I try not to say, I try to say less in order to make space. I like to have space in a lot of my work. Um, I just want to say, Jonathan, I don't know if you know this, but the language that you're using to describe your intention with not only a beautiful piece of art, but a successful, a successful execution, because I also think that's important to acknowledge that like 
everything that you're getting at reads. But what's really interesting to me is that the language that you're using is so similar to sort of the formal poetic conceptual language around drawing or like mm. illustrating or like finding image. And that's just like really interesting because I know that, or I don't know if this still applies, that your base, your base vantage point to all of this shit is as a printmaker. I don't know if that is still a thing. If yeah, no, yeah, okay. I still, I still, I still label, I still consider myself predominantly a printmaker. Awesome. And for what it and like me and Xavier, we come from a painting, painting drawing background. We talk in our personal life a lot about like what observational painting has offered us as a life perspective. What minimizing, intentional looking, capturing like all of these things that go into like creating the illusion of an image do for like a life perspective. I'm curious about what a labor intensive medium like printmaking and all of what goes into being a printer, like just the relationship to the studio, the maintaining the space, the upkeep, understanding that like everything is a trial and can be like reapproach means for you now where all of your prints to a certain extent are conceptual like it's a good way to put it like a lot of my prints are conceptual yeah uh i mean every every medium has its own pros and cons right like yo photographers are like on a whole different planet i don't even know what their deal is but like every every set of tools gives us like the opportunity to like poetically and metaphorically talk about certain things. So with like printmaking, you with any discipline, it actually like you jump into a tradition. Like all of a sudden, you make a painting, and you jump into like the river of like painting history, right? Like mm-hmm. um, same thing with printmaking. Like printmaking, like uh, was like the first mark made by human beings. You know, like it's that like like the hand and the spitting onto the, the cave wall. It's like literally what defined like the first human, like the first human to convey, to tell stories, to like, um, like our, our humanity is rooted in those first prints and like the history of the Bible, the history of the, the printing press, like all of that, all of a sudden you like jump into when you like make prints and the concept of the addition, multiplicity of something. Um, and all of that is of interest to me, like the democracy, the, the democratization of printmaking and how it helps disseminate information. And, and I realized like, I don't really need to make technical prints in order to have access to all of that. I can mm-hmm. just think about it. And printmaking in its bare, bare, bare bones, it's simply like a translation, it's information pushed through a filter that reveals an altered set of information, like a soak screen, a a etching plate, a stencil, like all like edits, like a layer of ink and it alters information. And that to me is like fertile soil to talk about like translation. Like I grew up multilingual and a lot of like my art has to do with like what's lost in translation and printmaking. If you were to put like a technical process to that concept, it would be the act of pulling a print. So like, 
so all of that's really important to me and that's why like i still am invested in in printmaking as a as a framework of thinking um because it, it has so much to offer um and i think a lot about and tell me if this is like too much like a technical term but like substrate and matrix like the thing that holds information mm-hmm. and the thing that the information gets placed on so it's like what is that relationship and what is it like if i were to like assign roles to these two things like the matrix could be the body like the like the relief block or the screen the screen print like frame that could be like the metaphorical equivalent to a body and then the print itself could be the metaphorical equivalent to a memory of them or a story or um you know like the things that echo from being that once we no longer have the body we still have some we still have something from it like a, like um, a moment like you yeah. captured the passage i used the word passage yeah or like it was just like a collection of moments yeah 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 and just to end i think a lot about disappearance so like right like when we don't have access to the matrix what do we have access to like and passage before we even you spoke about the disappearance and making people kind of participate in that and consolidating when you travel around what are your precious items like what are the things that you make sure you have you know your wallet your phone your keys but what are those things that you know (laughs) you're carrying around like either just in the car or maybe it's on your person as you you know navigate uh, you know, I think quite literally, like, I mean, I have like a handful of, well, not a handful, I have like a s- certain set, of, like I, my drills, my chop saw, um, I've, I've had this work table forever. I've made it like, um, I think with my first grant, I bought like some wood. So I always collapse my work table and bring it with me. Um, but that's really it. Just tools. The tools. tools. Just the tools. Just the tools. That's it. Yeah. Graphite, and you know, then like other essentials, like my laptop and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Other than that, I kind of can do with and without a lot of stuff. Um, Not for the, what's your favorite pair of shoes, though? uh my studio crocs oh yeah oh yeah yeah Yeah. a lot of good work was done in those yeah i also go to the gym a lot so i have my like running brooks on Um, the listeners he just whipped out the camo crocs yeah 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 um i think a lot about camouflage um what's seen, what doesn't get seen. And, you know, camel, ca- camel crocs are a vibe. Um, yeah, I don't know, but I don't know if I'll go back to that. Go back, I don't know. I, I don't think, I learned a lot during those three years, but I think after grad school, I don't know if that's gonna be the move anymore. Um, you know, like residencies are great and all, but for normal people or for like the vast majority of people, 
a residency is like is like a one-time thing that people do like you know like people have jobs people have a, people people go to a residency and that's their like focus time like outside of their real work, real life and it makes them do weird things that they don't normally do in their real life like people like hook up with each other people like drink a lot and not to say like residencies are amazing it's not to say that that's all that it is but I would lie. I would be. I would be lying to say like part of it isn't that sometimes like you come into like, interaction with the general population who, you know, maybe they got a little bit of talent, but they're not. Except the GPs. They're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not consumed by this. You know what I'm saying? When I wake up, I think album painting. Then I start thinking about people. Then I start thinking about if I brush my teeth. Literally, I'm like, what am I fucking putting my creative effort today? Right. You know, happy Mother's Day. But that's what it really be in the morning. And some people, you know, maybe they discover it later. And maybe they do get consumed by it, but maybe they discover it later. Maybe they get that opportunity. They're like, this is crazy. There's more people, you know. You know, they just discover the life. Will you be in those spaces? And people be like, y'all really be fucking thinking it's like <laughs> it's like what <laughs> it's like what yo <laughs> i don't even be like that i'd be shook myself because like i i don't know if i've ever said this to you Jeff, but it's like i've seen like there's a certain branch of makers that have chosen to align themselves with a tradition so it's like to a certain extent like making and exhibiting is the access point to see if the meditations are accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like, I know that there's times you're just working on your car and you're yeah. like, yeah, this is what I'm doing right now with my art. <laughs> I'm working yeah. on my car that and I'm good. laying around in the sun. I miss and, I feel, and I feel like a lot of people don't even have the access point yeah, to be present. In that and like they're like, bro, I gotta get this out the way so I can get back to get into this other thing. I gotta get out the way so I can get back to the residence. Hmm. But I say that to say, and maybe I should wait till maybe I'll ask the question and then we'll go to the break so you can talk about it. But I'm curious, was you finding that type of work ethic, that type of presentness, that type of mindfulness in your practice? something that came out of you just spending that time with yourself and learning yourself through your work? Or do you think your work gave you access to like pursue a natural inclination that you had? Like, um, or even if it's not any of that, how do you think for you, like you turned into migrant mindful I'm going to just do me, write my poetry, get in my van and build stuff. Like, cause for a right. lot of people, you know, like what we do and how we live our lives is bizarre and bewildering to them. Yeah. Like, um, got it. Oh yeah. So Reggie was asking, how did you get to this place? Yeah. I mean, what I was trying to say, I guess, like what I, I think what I was, getting at was like a residency is a beautiful opportunity but it's not necessarily the real world you know it's like studio they usually maybe feed you it's like you get to meet a whole group of friends 
But for most people, people return to their lives afterwards. Whereas in I would just go in again <laughs> and then a whole other group of people would go, would come together and like, it's like an intense incubation time and they would go back into their lives and I would just go to the next one. So it's like, it kind of fucked up my sense of reality. Like it, that's not life or it is a kind of life. I learned a lot, but I think that's why I wouldn't return to that framework again is that I learned enough from doing that to like, yeah, what does it mean to make, what does it mean to sustain a creative life on one's own without the need for like an institutional like framework, like kind of like what Reggie was saying, like in the, at the height of the pandemic, I just worked on my car, on my truck. And that ended up becoming the art practice. Like, cause yo, cause like when the pandemic happened, like no more residencies, no more exhibitions, no more anything. And then two, three, four months went by and I wasn't making any art. And I was like, realized like, oh shit, like my practice is comorbid or like codependent with the institution. Like I need people to give me a grant or a residency or an exhibition in order to make something. And what does that say about me? Like if I can't make artwork <laughs> on my own. So it was like a learning, it was definitely a learning experience where like I learned how to make again from scratch without anyone being like, here's a grant or here's a residency, like, and it looked like working on my truck, like getting a bunch of pallets and like not knowing what to do with them. And like, um, so I think after I graduate, I wanna like, just, you know, keep my arms distant, like my arms distance and like know, or make a practice knowing that I can make art with funding and without, like I could do both and I'm realizing for me, at least that's like harder than I thought it was going to be like pretty much since I was like right after undergrad, I've sustained my practice with artist grants and residencies and stuff. And I think I want to learn how to, yeah, just prioritize the work fully and wholly and truly like, and I'm realizing I don't really know what that looks like a hundred percent. I want to let you know yeah. I'm also going through similar things, similar things. And just yeah. the, that little pocket of the pandemic really heightening that like, okay, like it's cool. You can travel, do whatever you want to a certain extent, but also there's a dissonance between you and real fucking people because like you live not only in a bubble, but you live in a bubble with full agency you live in a bubble that you can extend you live in a bubble that you can like minimize like people go to residencies and don't do anything like there's some people that go to residencies just to relax and soak in conversation which is like yeah. valid but even being around that and like seeing um how people have to for lack of a better word escape like you started to feel a certain sense of uh like you're like, yeah, I don't want my practice to just connect with other people that aren't in the real world, like with just other people that are voyagers, with just other people like this shit is supposed to be about basic humanism. So like, I definitely like I feel that like that's been really challenging for me as well, because like some of the work 
is ambitious in the way that like you genuinely need space rather be studio space space to install it space for people to really engage with it but also what i've been finding is that in doing the podcast or doing some of the art criticism work that i'm doing in my like personal like life practice and shit and just sitting down meeting with people that mm-hmm. like that's a thing for everybody unfortunately even the people that do work in the normal spheres or the normal context of a nine to five i think everybody to a certain extent feels alienated because the artist's artwork relationship has drastically shifted in the last like couple of hundred years. Like people used to have patrons, people used to get, just live at the church and make things. Like people used to be the village maker, the village tinkerer. And our roles were assigned with a level of like ease that just allowed people to be the mad scientists at the end of the lane. But I think now like, to a certain extent, like we own our capital. And that is like way more effort than I think people feel to, I don't know, I don't think people realize like how much effort goes yeah. into like, yeah, like capitalism is like really fucking gnarly, but owning your capital, like waking up and knowing like, if you don't put in like that eight hours to this specific yeah. hustle, yeah, the next two it. months might look different wow. just from that eight hours in that one day. Like mm-hmm. just because you had take a personal day like and your practice really needed you to come in because the resin needs three weeks to dry the concrete needs like a full eight hours like that shifts your plans for the next month and I think that like it's definitely a balance of both worlds but it's interesting I think like we're all feeling and we talked about this when we first met at Acre like we're all feeling that shift in what an art market could be what an art world could be like what it means to really sustain yourself off what we're choosing to do but it's like those platforms and those resources are not there yet so your options are either like improvisational creative and restricted by your own willingness to uncomfortability or they're like specific labor inducing alienating in a bunch of other different ways and don't give you the access to be present enough with yourself to pick what you want because you're hustling or you're like in school like there's hella people that are just trapped in school they just keep going back to school like on some i'm gonna figure it out like i don't know but it's is it's definitely something to think about because you know we make the world we want to be in and i think that a lot of us are too tired to really have those kind i know i am like when people ask me like what do you think the art world should look like i'm like you know how many motherfuckers make art like I like I I don't know. Like can we start with say art worlds? <laughs> like worlds worlds many, many art worlds. Means they've been saying realms for the past six months for like, yeah, <laughs> like in this realm. Like this yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> in this realm. I like that realm. It's good. But I don't know. Um, I, I think about that shit a lot. Like a lot. Yeah. Um Jen. Jen Packer gave a talk here the other day that was like one of the best artist talks I've ever seen in my life. It was tight. It was awesome. But something that was a reoccurring theme in, in her presentation was the question like, what does it mean to live a meaningful life? And that art plays a role in that question, but it's not the answer. Like, and 
like for Jen Packer, someone who I see is like one of the most established American painters, like, like if she's still asking herself that question, like, damn, like, you know, like what does it mean to, to live a meaningful life is quite a difficult question to hold. Like, and art can't be the only answer. It, and it has a lot to do with like, I think finding nutrition uh, in reciprocity with many different things outside of art. And mm -hmm. I don't know how y'all feel. Maybe this is a question for y'all, but sometimes art feels like it's everything. Art, man, fuck, I hate school. Cause it's like everything I do is like art right now. And it's like our class, our studio fucking and like I also take electives outside of the school of art so I take like I took a biopolitics class in the environmental the Yale environmental school and in those moments I become like the art archetype because they've never seen an art student before and it's <laughs> like so not only am I an artist I'm like the artist that they know that goes to the Yale school of art so it's like fuck you know like art just in the and art is many things but sometimes I feel like damn yo like my world is like this small and it's like, like you said, everyone knows everyone. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I, it's interesting because yeah, there is that like, is yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that distinction between like, even just you as an entity, like you're not engaging with the gallerist curator the same way as like the convenience store guy, like, just even the words you choose, how you're, you know what I mean? There's a different transaction at play, obviously. But there is also like this weird thing where we're purveyors of truth. Like we're, you know, people are actually, the people are actually doing it are usually looking for some kind of truth, whether it's about themselves, about the world, about what they're seeing, observing, whatever it is. like. So there's this, I don't know, this tension between like me having the answer and me having an answer mm. because so much of this stuff, this is, this is real life. Like someone designed this, you know what I mean? That is real life, yeah. <laughs> there's also the, con the conceptual that people also pay money for too, so. Yeah. And this is the thing like, me and Xavier, we chat a lot about this because we come from like a, like we grew up like illustration geeks, like on DeviantArt and 4chan, like finding artists and like trying to incorporate their style and shit. So like there's a certain level of craftsmanship and formalism that I am constantly keeping in mind because I, okay, I'm gonna say this. I think that there is like art, I'll say art, lowercase a but it look fancy the typography is fancy but it's a lowercase a okay and i think that that is like <laughs> i mean that's what we kind of that's what i was trying to get at earlier with like, like art lowercase you, know, you definitely a, put the work fancy. in you definitely put the work in to get the skill to but, but this is but this is the thing is that like and we we talk about this all the time where like there is being in the arts and engaging the arts from a place of craftsmanship, admiration, and commitment to your own practice. But I think that there's a certain maturity that comes out of spending that much time with yourself that will tell you straight up, like, 
at a certain point, like we're not, we're doing this for ourselves in the way that like everything that you do with your hands, like does something for your spirit. But to the same extent, like there's something else that is being channeled that is being like navigated, like that doesn't always feel like a choice. Like sometimes it feels a little bit like erratic and specific. And I think that those moments are like in the people that are in that lane that are trying to find this, like what they want out of it. I think that like that is like artistry in the sense of like commitment. I think that there's like something else that happens just in general, just across time where there's people who just have an interest in finding presentness through skill sharing and communication with other humans. And I think that like, there are some makers, rather they be musicians, actors, like visual artists that are like, rather attempting or being called to do that from different places like there are channels for that. There are channels for cultural projection. There are channels to archive historical reflections. There are channels to be digestible culture for people that don't have access points to certain things, for people that don't have the bandwidth to, to have certain things. Like there's pieces that I like, since I saw them when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, that's fucking dumb, like and trivial. Mm-hmm. And I'll meet somebody at like the coffee shop last week who'll be like, no, that joint changed me. Like, yeah, you as just a, didn't have the lens. A, as a kid, it changed me as a kid. And those are the moments that I think are like our moments to where like our internal agency as humans can be like clashed against one each other so we can get to know each other. Like, I think that like giving people access to reflect is a very difficult thing to do, even in interpersonal conversations. Like, it's really hard to be a good listener. And mm. like, trying to do that with objects becomes even more difficult. Like, mm. I think that there's scientists that I tell them all the time, I'm like, no, you're an artist. Like your perception of how you wanna engage with your research is artistry. Like I meet writers who try to like make themselves sound like their computers and shit. And I'm like, no, I'm letting you know that you think it's normal to care this much and you're around a bunch of other people like us who care a lot, but like, we're caring so other people don't have to so that they can do their path and their task and shit like that. So I think that like being in the arts and seeing everything as art isn't necessarily a bad mindset because it's accurate philosophically. It's accurate to, to say that, you know, the toilet paper, there is, is a chosen aesthetic, you know, <laughs> like, some, like, but at the same time, like, I think that what happens in institutional spaces and them trying to make it a rubric, you get small moments of variation that aren't generative to nuance. Like, it's like, if you're not doing this, there's no way you could be considering this. But sometimes people's personality types haven't been given the space to like evolve and blossom Mm -hmm. into that version of themselves. Or even sometimes like, confidence and like you said earlier in the conversation fear can like creep up on people in ways that they didn't even know because at the end of the day like until you get to a certain point in your practice like everything you make is a reflection of self until it becomes a reflection of itself like I think just until recently when you can sit in your studio and just see all the shit you made in the past four years you're like oh no like I'm not making work about me anymore this Mm. work is about itself like it's about it's work and I think that like getting to that point 
takes a lot. And like, you know, sometimes you get forced in positions like you were hopping from residency to residency. Oh, you had all that time to think about mm-hmm. how you wanted to spend your time. Even if you weren't making the things that you wanted to make, like you were being present in the moment with the time and space that you had. And our hope, you know, like we said before, the podcast is supposed to stimulate radically unspecified people and hopefully like bring them into themselves to like be able to be inquisitive in public and not necessarily feel like they're mm-hmm. doing a lot or like just be able to like say what they have interest in like just even just like the little shit of like you know like how anime nerds will sit there and argue about certain aesthetic tropes of which is better and first but at the end of the day it's all preference like there's still somebody's illustrations mm-hmm. like it's not like it's a chair where if it's 40 degrees off, it's going to keep falling. Like, mm. I think that's how you know that the shit is working. I don't, I feel like America in general right now is in a weird place, like culturally with our standards. I think like capitalism hit us like really, really fucking heavy. And, mm-hmm. and like our, our machines are too good. Like our music machine is too fucking good at pumping out shit. Our college yeah. machine is too good at getting people in school and using them as checks to fund other people's college time like jobs are too good at making people into bots like our machines are too fucking good over here like they're it's kind of dark how efficiently they can strip away like people's senses of self and I think that like yeah like like I said everything definitely can be art but I think when you're around like that you definitely do have to be vigilant and not allowing other people's ideas of what the suggestive art is or what the assigned art definition is affect you. I think the definition is just the fact that we're all individuals and can, mm. you know, have opinions and feel things and right. get emotional. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause that's really what it's about. It's about getting emotional. Like if we really, <laughs> like if we really- something, something I'm taking away from like, what you're saying is like, uh, I think, artists can sometimes take themselves too seriously. And I think it's the institution's business. Cause I, I don't know if like the sentiment you were conveying was like that everything potentially is art. Therefore everything in a way is, is art. It's like the institution's business, the curator's business the, to distinguish mm-hmm. what is good taste and what is bad taste and um and we're in the business of good taste like if we're if we're like artists like we're in the business of of being cultural producers like things like to be of value culturally so we're we're taste makers and in some in one way right and and that way i feel like we sometimes take ourselves too seriously or something like that art is serious in a particular way, or if you're not serious about it in, a, in this way, then you're not a real artist or something, when I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of people's business, there's a lot of people who make it their, their business to make art serious. And, and by making it serious, they kind of gatekeep what is authentic or what's A, capital A art, and what's lowercase a art. Um, and I don't know if there's a real fix to that, but I think that sometimes, yeah. Could you talk more about- We can take our- too serious, I think. 
could you talk more about what serious means for you in this context? Because I just want to make sure that like, one, we're all on the same page and two, like thinking about like, because also something me and Xavier talk a lot about is like, you know, the filmmakers, the animators, the comic book artists, the artisanal, you know, latte makers that are making like latte art and shit. Like, I wonder, do they, are they afflicted by the same guilt complexes that come with being a westernized studio artist? And like, I wonder, do, or, or are they still in that childlike nature of just like, oh God, this fucking composition is sick. Like how hard I drew this. Like, cause I, I, I just wonder what that seriousness, if that seriousness is just like anxiety of like not being enough for a lot of people. Like, I think shit do be serious in a certain extent that like, if you're in a space and everybody's being receptive, there's a certain level of respect and that builds a certain air in the space. Like mm-hmm. that builds an air of like, damn, let me, like I've definitely been in a concert and been like, okay, this isn't necessarily my thing, but everybody's bobbing their head in a particular way right now. Let me see mm-hmm. if I'm missing something. And I think like mm-hmm. that type of seriousness or that type of intention can be super productive, but also like, I'm not in grad school. I'm not at Yale. I don't know if there's like a, a snarky art market seriousness that you're experiencing that's like insidious and making you feel uncomfortable about like engaging. Mm. With that. Like, I'm curious, like, what do you mean when you say that? Cause I know in DIY spaces, like people be like serious sometimes is just asking for you to like adjust the lighting or even our handler work like you'll see all the time people's different standards of like what they approach as being formal like right so um yeah I think like a quick example would be like I was taking this class and for our final we had to put together a show that involved community work, like an like artist work that that wasn't Yale affiliated, but was like in the New Haven community. And we invited this comic book artist who's been making, who ended up we showed work. Um, their name is Left Left Handed Sophie on Instagram, um, and they showed like six years worth of work, and it it took like like pulling teeth to get somebody to get in there to work on the lighting because we, we can't technically do it as students. Um, and it wasn't until the, an hour or two hours before the opening reception that someone came in to, to do the gallery light. And even then it was like a spotty fucking, it was a spotty job. Like, cause they had to do it quick because the battery on the thing was low. So actually- and they, and they wouldn't do that to, one, like they wouldn't do that to like, that they sense. might even do it to like Yale students even, but like like that behavior reflects how the institution cares about like non, not Yale affiliated artists. Mm-hmm. And these kind of like distinguish, distinguishing like who, who merits, like, like, like who merits you know, like how for some artists they'll build a pedestal specifically for a work. Like we'll build yeah, this yeah. for you. Versus no, I hate that for, shit. <laughs> versus 
versus oh no you you can just take a pedestal from the pile from no, behind the shop that we all won't, we won't up. even paint it and we won't we won't even paint it you, you can just <laughs> show it you can just show it in there with the, the fucking foot the foot scrubs and the fucking like a little bit of red paint from the artist installation before just use that it doesn't matter like you just like that's what I'm talking about about shit. like there's a distinguishment between mm. serious art and not serious art and comic book artists like anime artists really get the short end of the stick because like like painted painters are snobs yo or like the art the art institution that upholds paintings are like snobs and maybe you're right maybe I'm afflicted by like the way <laughs> no I think, paint, I, think you're, I think you're speaking to something that's like there's definitely people with fucking agendas bro no literally like, like, like who even gets me, like, when, pedestal and who doesn't, you know? Like, like literally, like, when I was in high school, I was like, bro, you can't draw, bro. You can't even participate in certain conversations with me. Okay? <laughs> I was definitely on that. And then it was, you know, Damn, yeah. So it's like, out of respect for you and me. <laughs> out of respect for the craft but know? no 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 it, it's like that though like i just did i'm not even going to put this information out there because i don't want to bad mouth somebody but i just did an install um because i do freelance art prepared to work um because it's important to me to like it's important to me to be in in the community that's submitting and also like people just don't fucking care they'll just like throw up people's shit and not even like i don't know there's certain types of considerations in the install they just like baffle me but anyways it's crazy how, you know, like, you'll know somebody that'll do work at the MCA or some shit, and they'll be showing up promptly on time. You know, they got their tools on them. They trying to take photos and shit with the blue chip artists, knowing damn well they don't really give a fuck. Right. Like, just so they can be, like, involved in a certain level of formalism. Like, these niggas don't even realize that they're, like, prohibiting other people's perception that don't have context at all from building new insight like when mm -hmm. you show somebody's work like unconsidered like and make it look a certain type of way like anything can look beautiful in a gallery that's the point of the gallery is to centralize the object but right. like when that's not like you can tell like you can tell when the floodlight is going the opposite direction like you can tell when the gallery isn't sweet before people come into it like it's little, it's little moments like that, that like, you know, really communicate certain elitisms and classisms in the art world that like push people back. Like me and Xavier talk about this all the time. Like we don't necessarily interact with that many pretentious people because like, again, we be vetting. We like, do you actually have opinions or do you like mm. just be here? Like, but- Literally, do you just be here? <laughs> but, <laughs> but in that, like- it's hard because like people that are in those spaces are in those spaces. Like I met somebody recently who was like, I'm struggling to still believe in art because the white professors at my school made me feel like it was limited to A, B, C, and D. And of course it's easy for me to be like, you know, did you go get your own context? Did you go to the library? Did you do all this other shit? But at the end of the day, like you talk shit to somebody enough, like that's just going to affect them. Like it's going to affect their psyche. So like, that that's why I ask about seriousness because I feel like even in that word choice, it still implies some level of command rather than the malicious subconscious intent. Oh, to like I see what you're saying. Other you're saying. to like other like people, but yeah, that shit is weird. I'm happy yeah. that like 
I don't know, people don't really be saying that that part out loud about how like a lot of these institutions, like even y'all be thinking a lot of this shit is fancy. I'm telling you, a lot of this shit that's grabbed, it be prints in really beautiful frames, y'all. Like I'm letting y'all know, like go to your go to your local exhibitions yeah it's all like it's all the little things yeah like the yeah i care a lot about lighting i care a lot about painted pedestals and painted shelves like care like that's how you show care for someone is that it's like taking care of somebody their work and it's like but we should do that for everything. You do it for your house. Like you should clean your right. fucking baseboards. Right. If you're not cleaning your fucking baseboards, I don't know if you really care about your house. Like <laughs> at least at least every now and then, you know what I mean? Like, but I mean, yeah, there's so much to say. We, we could go on forever, but we got 10 minutes left. Look, Is there anything you want to leave I got us? A, I got a question. Oh, got a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah, yeah. we wrap, I want to say, of course, thank you for coming on the pot and all that good shit. Um, what's after grad school? I know that's like a crazy, I know people be asking you be like, and you're like, what, what do you mean? Like I'm living life. It's hard to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. is there anything on the horizon, I guess, that you may be looking forward to or places you're trying to go after? Not right now. I mean, I have another year left of grad school. So just trying to, like what I said in the beginning, just trying to take inventory of where I'm at and try to finish up next year. Um, I think I want to be less institutionally dependent. So I'll, I'll probably apply to some residencies, but like not try to rely my whole creative like output on, on that. So um, yeah, we'll see. My partner and I have like dreams of one day, like when my partner and I getting like a barn uh somewhere upstate new york or like along the hudson and i want to have like a big studio and like a farm barn uh so i don't know if that's in the near future or later in the future but that's like yeah like a goal of mine is to have like a big studio space out by the hudson river um one day uh fire yeah and then y'all are welcome y'all are welcome to come anytime (laughs) just chill out uh but you know we'll see next year is just like you know another year of grad school and then um it's hard to say yo it's like uh it's just asking the big questions like what kind of artists do i want to be and like every day it's like making sure, I guess like making sure I don't run an autopilot or anyone, like you just have to be consciously like, I choose this and why do I choose it? And like, just be um, intentional about why, maybe this is a question for all of us, like why we make art and just to like remind ourselves because soon, you know, I think a lot of the stuff happens all of a sudden, like, people um all it takes is one or two people and it will completely ultimately change the way your career looks like so you have to be like you know 
conscious and aware and have faith in your practice to the point where like if someone offers you something, you always have a choice and you can always say no and like be strong enough to say no. Say that 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 again for the listeners. (laughs) Just run that back. Can you just say run it back? Because I feel like at least in our present, this is just a small little insert in our personal lives or even just maybe in a waking life, like definitely people that feel like they didn't have a choice. Not because mm-hmm. they were being physically restricted or bound, but because there was this air of like whatever the fuck is going yeah. on. But like you definitely always have a choice. The people shit. In I mean in in capitalism we're we're taught to like accumulate, right? Accumulate wealth, accumulate power, accumulate knowledge. Like it's you're mining shit. And like it doesn't even have to like impact you negatively, even if it just like if you say no to an opportunity that will deprive you of a show or of an exhibition or of money because it doesn't quite feel authentic to your vision or you know it feels like a power imbalance people are taking advantage of you and you say no it feels like it feels like you're depriving of yourself of something because you're not accumulating like and capitalism has taught us to just grow bigger it's an fucking escalator yo you gotta go to get to the top but you're in saying no you don't deprive your you don't you're not actually depriving yourself you're um but it's tricky though because people do got to pay the rent and it's and it's hard so it's not really a straightforward thing but yeah i mean i think just to kind of build on top of your analogy it's the type of thing where like it's it's like a train a train is on the tracks it's about to depart you choose to get on the elevator there's also i mean you could choose to get on the escalator there's also the elevator there's also the stairs and they, they got different speeds with them, different efficiencies, people that's gonna hold up the elevators, people that's gonna be standing in the middle of the escalator. And then it's probably just gonna be you on the motherfucking stairs walking up type of deal. But, you know, it's, it is interesting in that way that like, or at least, first of all, I don't even think it's something that just artists are plighted by. Like, I think mm-hmm. social media does that to people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so social media is predicated on making other people feel like like they're missing out. <laughs> so yeah, distrust all of it. Distrust distrust when people like affirm you. Just like literally distrust when people affirm you. Like literally real talk. Literally. I mean if, if they're I, not your friends, if they're not yeah, your friends not or your friend. somebody that's engaging with you on a human to human level or from a place right. of like admiration and appreciation. If somebody you just met, never seen your fucking practice before, but read people that want to meet you off reading about you, distrust them. Okay. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. Let them meet you. <laughs> Let them meet you. I forget where I saw it, but I saw it somewhere when like someone, when someone asks, I love your work, you say, what about it? Do you love or something? You just mm-hmm. like, you know, just make, you know, like people, not to say, not just it's just everyone, but yeah, like why, why do you like my work or Absolutely. Yo, I've I've had people email me saying like, "Oh, let's do a studio visit, like this and that." And then I'm like, "How'd you how how did you find out my about my work?" And they're like, "Oh, off the Yale website." And I'm like, "That's not that's not that's not you're not curious about me. You're like you're like I'm like stock or something." And you know, it's important, right? You know, if you're like 
places of real nourishment, like your friends, your community, like people you grew up with, like uh, people you trust, like affirmation from there is good. But, you know, like I think sometimes like affirmation from the institution can be can be tricky, can be slippery. I'm going to do one more just so we can give you a proper a proper and off. I don't want to. All right, um, yeah, cool. Quick cut out. Yeah, yeah we we'll just do that. Oh. Okay, cool. Um, oh, I yeah. guess last thing I'll say, wait, sorry. Yeah. Right. Last thing I'll say about like what's next is that, I don't know, something I haven't really talked about, or I don't know if you knew Reggie, but I'm like, I'm like three years, I'm like three years sober. I don't know if you knew that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I learned a lot in sobriety, yo. It's like, I learned a lot. So something I want to do is protect that as I get older and into my art career. Um, and something I learned- your, uh, Discipline through that. Yeah. Like something I learned in my sobriety was that you don't really get sober for yourself, really. Or sobriety is really complicated, so I wouldn't even say that. But an aspect of sobriety in recovery sobriety, because there's people who also didn't drink who never drank. Like I think I would consider my sobriety a, like kind of like a recovery sobriety. Um, you get sober to help other people get sober in the future. So like, it's really an investment, not just in your, not just like for your own health, but you're also investing in the future for someone else who will need it, which is kind of, kind of messes with my mind a little bit. And it's a lesson, it's a lesson that I learned that isn't just I, I learned in sobriety, but I take it elsewhere. Like you, like whatever ways and whatever ways, it doesn't have to be sobriety. You're investing in yourself now. You're, it's for you, but you're also, you're also investing in a future situation to someone else who will need help down the road, whether it's in their art career, whether it's in their practice, whether it's because they need advice, life advice, or like, like you're ultimately investing in future people you haven't even met yet. You know, like it's kind of like it's kind of like that. That is uh, like one of the key concepts of like radical black thought and not radical black thought in a academic sense, but in the militantness that it takes to like uphold like a culture like that idea of uh, you're doing this shit for your grandkids because life is not promise. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because I think this is the first time at least for me, I don't know about you, Xavier, I've ever heard somebody uh, address that very particular ideology, like outside of any other context. And I don't know, that's cool. Because it's one of those beliefs that I think that everybody should carry. I think that like- Yeah, I mean, that folks... was a, I didn't even really know necessarily where you were going with, you do it for other people, you know, mm-hmm. until you connected us back to like, you make the world you you make the world you want to live in. in. You like, make the world you want to live in. It really is that. Like even on just like a the minimized level of like how you choose to deal with social interactions with people you don't want to deal with. Like it's yeah. the stuff, it's like online with so again, back to social media. You can have a thousand good comments. You're gonna remember those three really negative comments about you and your mama. Like so how you choose to even push people away like choose to say no there's an effect like 
It's all connected, you know. It's mm -hmm. all connected. That's right. awesome. And, That's and awesome. I was just about to. I'm just kind of super pleasant about that because your question about what is art to us earlier, that exact meditation is what me, Xavier, a lot of my other intimate friends that do the arts in a philosophical context, like what does it mean to like give other people access to you in that way or access to thinking in that way? And like, that's what it's about for me. Like I'd be doing this shit for like my neighbor's grandkids, you know? So they, you know, yeah. Yeah. my you know like the tenant two doors down from me great great niece like I think it would be crazy if we could just live in a world where people had that relationship to each other and I think that like that as something to end on is really beautiful because one I don't, I don't even think we've had the chance to really talk about your practice formally but like mm -hmm. that is one of the key factors that I respect about your practice is the ways that it forces people to not only engage with poetics politically but engage with them in ways that like make them think more about where they're going rather it be like them walking in the space how they're viewing the work because at the end of the day like we're all you know we're all here making relics for each other and not everything's going to land but you know we're all here on the globe like and being somebody like tony said this yesterday well not yesterday when we recorded last, last week yeah um being of the earth and what that really means as a maker you know there's definitely specific things that I make for my people or like for people that I'm in community with but at the same time like you know I was just stranded in Ohio like literally Maybe four weeks ago. ago yeah yeah like spent that time getting to know like these locals in rural Ohio and talking to them about my practice like that I think that is like the work and if we can get more people just to the point where it's like yeah like having faith in other people's humanity and maybe right. using art as a vetting tool or a compass to like tap into that I don't know but yeah thank you so I'm much I'm happy you survived Ohio <laughs> No, Ohio was interesting. It was very interesting. Yo, rural <laughs> Ohio. I did not know that the Amtrak in the Midwest only comes twice a day. It was not hit. It's for real. I, I fuck with Ohio. I fuck with the Midwest. I have a friend. The Midwest I, got a vibe, man. I have, I have a couple friends from Ohio. As, um, uh, from, I have a friend from Akron, from my cohort. Um. Anyway, I I fuck I I fuck with Ohio. <laughs> I've never been there fully, like <laughs> last, but Reggie says the art is crazy. But uh, thanks again for being on the pod. Like, yeah, it's yeah. crazy to actually talk to you and you yeah, know, let's, exchange. Let's keep talking. It'd be fun to have another one of these uh, when I graduate or whenever. Oh, yeah. sure. Look, I'm glad you said that. We got that. Record it. We will be hitting you back up. For, yeah, yeah, him, yeah. Him, yeah. Probably season two or three by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is tight. This is tight that y'all do this. It's really cool. Like, thank you, thank you. We're trying. Yeah, and just uh, <laughs> text us like your PayPal, Venmo, whichever one you want us to. We'll send you a little bit. We'll send you bread. Yeah. Send what are you talking about? No, it's fine. What are you? See, no, I told you. No, I told no, you he was going to tell me this. <laughs> 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 No, we have to pay you. Okay? No. 
No, it's not. It's whatever. It's cool. No, it's, okay. I'm well, happy. Then, I'm happy, ma- happy mail us talk. a print. Mail us a print for the house, and I'll mail you a print back. We'll do it like that. Let's do a trade. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll mail you some work. I I haven't made anything here in grad school that is maybe these panels. Like, I don't know. I'll find something to mail you. I haven't made anything. You know, our indoor art collection is going stupid. I've been taking my, <laughs> I've been taking like all of my spare art handler work. Like whenever they leave extra tools, I just bring them back to the house. Like the indoor gallery is going stupid in the house right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for coming to the pot. For you guys that aren't familiar with Jonathan, please check out his work. Is like really good. Period. Yeah. So, where Where should people go? Where do, Where should people go to find you? Find what's going on uh you can type in my full name jonathanherasoto.com my website uh don't really update it that much because I'm, I'm in school so i don't i haven't been making that much stuff but uh follow me on instagram at produce.work or produce work with a period in between um and yeah i don't know reach out i don't know if you're wondering and to y'all or your listeners if you're wondering what grad school is like or anything i'm open to uh i'm open to cold cold emails or cold calls so just so just hit me up he's accessible that's great yeah. thank you for doing that and thank you for doing that on our podcast yeah yeah yes good luck with your work good luck with those panels um please email me like progress stuff as your exhibitions come up because even uh if it's towards the end of the summer like i might try to um come up because i have some friends that are that might be in new haven I don't know. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Or oh, Connecticut. If you're around, just come through. Yeah. Okay. If you're around, you yeah, come through. I have a couch that you can crash at. But. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Thanks again. Love and light, Jonathan. You have a nice. All right. Day. Happy Happy Mother's Day. Happy I'll Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah. All right. I'll see y'all.